welcome to D20 Dudes, the tabletop role-playing podcast where the die decides our topic. And today, we are going to be talking about dealing with an oversized group for your tabletop role-playing games. For most games, the group size that they recommend is having five players. Four people to play characters, and one to GM the game. This is, of course, optimal and about average for most friend groups who are going to get together and do this kind of thing together, but it isn't uncommon for you to have a larger group of friends, just as it isn't uncommon for some people to have smaller groups of friends. Most games do have rules in place to mitigate some of the design challenges that a GM may encounter when trying to deal with an oversized or undersized group, but That being said, these aren't going to be the most prominent challenges for an oversized group. Of course, whenever a group is oversized and you have more players, players have a ton of action economy, they're going to get a lot of things done, there has to be more gold, there has to be more gear, there has to be stronger or more monsters. Things that are going to challenge and bring enjoyment to all players. I have some experience with this personally, because I played a game of Starfinder for some six to seven months with a group that consisted of about eight people, including myself. With a normal group of players consisting of only four-player characters, having three extras meant that a lot of things were underpowered in the adventure path that I was running through, and they were able to breeze through most things fairly easily. In this situation, it is best to kind of get an idea of what your characters are capable of and how you can give specific people specific challenges in oversized groups i honestly feel like it can be okay to split the party at times even though that tends to be something that the players want to avoid at all costs splitting the party into smaller groups and giving them more individual challenges is often a a good way to make players feel relevant to what they're doing as well as being able to provide an adequate challenge in the way of only having to add in things that are already present instead of having to add new things in or modify things that are already existing to be stronger to deal with larger groups. This being said, the primary issue that I tended to run into whenever I had an oversized group wasn't anything mechanically. It was, there were eight people in one room, and it can get pretty rowdy. Whenever you have a game like Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, Starfinder, Tenra, what have you, it is a social event for you and your friends to get together, to spend time, to talk with one another, to socialize, to get caught up, to do things that friends are going to do. And that's fine. But if a game is meant to be played and you have a lot of people coming together, especially if you have very long combat encounters, things that are getting arduous. You can have people who will get distracted, people who want to spend more time talking to each other or playing on their phones, doing things that aren't engaging with the game because there's so much time being taken from turn to turn that staying focused and staying attentive to everything that's happening can get very boring, unfortunately. That's not to say that the game itself is bad. That's not to say that you're doing a bad job as a GM. This is simply a consequence of a suddenly greatly increased action economy among the players. More players means more time taken. And more time taken where you're not the one playing 
generally means, well, how am I supposed to fill that time? Because if something isn't going to directly relate to you, your character, and how you're going to interact with the world, it's very hard to stay engaged with that sometimes. In this situation, it can be good to note that every player and every character is going to have individual strengths and individual weaknesses. This does add a little bit more strain onto the GM, but a good way to keep these players engaged is to give them side tasks to accomplish during given fights. It doesn't have to be every fight, of course, maybe only the major ones, maybe only the boss fights or the major encounters that are going to be taking place in a given campaign. But if you know that the rogue is only going to run around, flank, sneak attack, and do that over and over again each round, regardless of the situation, and the rest of the time they're just not engaged, why not give them a special task? Maybe there is a computer panel off in the corner, and you know your rogue is really good at hacking. So you add in a few extra challenges wherein if the rogue can get over there and hack that computer panel, they could significantly reduce the, the duration of this fight, or they could deactivate some defenses that are making the, the fight significantly more difficult than it would be normally. You can add in some things that are individualized to a few given characters, especially the ones that you feel like aren't very engaged to begin with. This lets your players know that despite that there is a large group and there's a lot of things going on, you are taking the time to pay attention to them and how their character operates and making sure that their character is relevant. And I've noticed that a lot of players tend to appreciate that. Whenever you do take that time, you have the attentiveness to all of your players and not just a select few, as can be sometimes the case. On top of this, another thing you can do to mitigate the slowdown is to go over all of the rules of combat and all of the rules of various different skill systems, like for instance in Starfinder, the way that ship combat works or the way that skills work, to make sure that every player knows exactly how these rules work if, ever, if anybody has any questions as to how a specific rule to their character works. Like maybe they're confused about something with their class or they don't necessarily have all of their spells at the ready. Try and make sure that people completely understand the rules, they completely understand their character's role within these rules, and especially for spellcasters, if you know they're going to habitually not understand what their spells do and how they work, maybe have them make some flashcards, or if you're really going to go the extra mile, make the flashcards yourself so they have those things ready and available so they know how those things work. Not spending excess time on every turn to go over a rule and then re-go over that rule and then re-go over that rule again and again and again, slowing down the pace of combat and the pace of the game is going to help players be more engaged because it's going to lessen the amount of time that it takes for a player to take their turn and then wait for their turn to come around again. They're going to have to pay attention to the things going on because it's not going to be 10, 15, 20 minutes for it to get back around to them, it's going to be maybe a minute or two, maybe even just a few seconds if everybody's really on the ball, they already know exactly what they're going to do. So on top of this, I did mention earlier on that things can get rowdy, and that is a problem you're going to run into with larger groups, is once you've got a lot of groups together, you've got a lot of friends in the same room, you've got people who are going to feed off of each other's energy. They're going to feed off of each other's excitement. Now, if that means that everyone's excited to play the game and everyone's super attentive to the game, that's a great time. You as a GM are going to 
put your adventure together and everyone's in. They're just, let's just get ready. Let's do this. Let's go at it. And that is one of the best feelings in the world. But if one or two of your players are not attentive, they have something else going on. They're having another side conversation. And then another friend gets sucked into that conversation. They say something that sucks. Another friend in that conversation. And then suddenly everyone's talking about something else and the game has completely halted. This can be very frustrating as a GM because you've put in all this work and all this effort to make sure that the game is fun and now nobody's paying attention whatsoever. And honestly, it's not the worst for this to happen sometimes. Every now and then, it is a little bit necessary for groups to take a break from the game. Being being as fun as these games are, and they are very fun. I do enjoy GMing, and I do enjoy playing these games, and I'm sure most of you out there do as well because you're listening to this podcast. It is still an effort, especially if you are very heavy into the role-playing. You're putting forth a mental and emotional effort to play and maintain this character. And sometimes you get to a point where people just need to take a bit of a break. They need to socialize, recharge their batteries, get up and get a drink, go to the bathroom, that kind of stuff. If you notice that everyone's attention is starting to slip, especially in a larger group, it may be time to say, hey, how would everyone like to take a break? We can spend 10, 15 minutes uh, you know, getting our snacks, getting our drinks, socializing for a little bit, getting ourselves back into a better headspace, and then come back at this in a few minutes when everyone else is ready. And that can be a good way to just kind of let them come down from that for a bit. And then most of the time, they'll be just raring to go. They'll get right back into it. And as soon as you, you know, reconvene everybody, you've got everyone's attention again, you get moving. Now, if this is a habitual thing where people are taking their breaks and getting their stuff and they come back and then it's only a few minutes and suddenly they're all socializing again, nobody's paying attention, nobody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, that could be very frustrating for you as a GM. It can be very frustrating for other players who are invested and they do want to continue playing the game. Whenever you have a group of friends together like this, it always feels bad to want to exclude people, especially if they're already part of the group. But... If it's a habitual thing where people are coming and they're only there to socialize and they're not there to actually play the game, it it's not unreasonable to sit and talk with those people who are being habitually problematic and saying, hey, I understand that this is our friend group and these are the people you want to hang out with, but we're coming here to play this game. And if you would like to be a part of this, you are welcome to participate in the game with us. But while you're here, you are expected to participate in the game. There's going to be other times to socialize. And maybe it is uh, that it comes to, well, most of the group is only really here to socialize. And maybe playing the tabletop game isn't really the thing that they want to do. Sometimes that is the case, and it can be all right to call it off and say, hey, all right, well, we'll have this just be like a general game night or just a night where we hang out and socialize. And that's fine. You can pick another day of the week for the people who just want to play the game to come together and play. Or if it gets to a point where you've only really got this free time, uh, maybe like on the one day of the week or one day every two weeks where people can get together to actually play this game, it can be fine to say, well, this is the activity that we want to take part in. And if we can't, if, if we can't get to a point where everyone can focus and everyone can play the game as many of us want to do, 
then it could be time to split this group up and say, all right, cool. These are the people who are only here to socialize. They don't want to play the game. They're not going to be coming here to play the game on this particular night anymore. It seems like a really rude thing to do, but if they're going to be constantly interfering with the process that you were there and that you were involved in, something that you're putting effort into and something that you're looking forward to that is constantly being disrupted, it isn't unfair to say, hey, this is what we're here to do. And if we, if you can't be a part of that, then I would rather you not attend these particular gatherings. And they may be offended, but still, like, it is important to come to an understanding with these people that this is what this particular gathering is for, playing this game is what this gathering is about, and this is what this needs to be. Instead of being constantly interrupted and having their efforts constantly disrupted, like it does feel very insulting to put forth a lot of effort into planning a session and doing all this work for a group of people who aren't going to be attentive and who aren't going to respect the amount of effort that you as a GM have to put in to make sure that the game is going to be fun and enjoyable for everyone. So at that point, you really just have to come to a decision like, do I exclude these certain people or do we just call off the game entirely? Uh, and that can be a hard decision, especially whenever you do have a, a group of very close-knit friends, but still, like, it's better than being trampled on, uh, as it were. With that out of the way, most of the time, it usually can just be solved with just taking a break every now and then. Like, it's usually about... Every two to three hours, you want to take like maybe a small 10 to 15 minute break just to make sure everyone has a snack, has a drink, has time to like, you know, socialize with everyone around the table and just have a little fun without having to devote themselves to the character and to the game. That usually is more than enough for everybody to get themselves focused, get back on track and get back into the game. Now, in terms of the mechanics, almost every game is going to have things in place that say, hey, this is your standard group size. If you have this many people over, then these are the steps that you use to determine what the new challenge rating for that particular group size needs to be. And while that is all very good, well and good on paper, uh, as just about any GM will know, players are going to take very different approaches to building and playing their characters. So even once you do take into account like, oh, well, they're all level three, but because there's eight of them, their actual CR is going to be closer to five or six, maybe even seven. It is important to know what the groups are capable of. And as well, you need to do a little bit of research into the monsters that you're planning on using into the encounters that you're planning on throwing them in. Because while an oversized group may technically be CR 10, you may notice things in CR 10 that are meant for level 10 players that are meant for higher level resistances and things that if not properly taken into account, even though the group does have an action economy to allow them to adequately deal with a threat in terms of how much damage they can put out, it may not necessarily mean that they have the defenses to deal with something that that particular threat can do. And you can end up wiping characters on accident that way. So it does come back to that uh, you kind of got to do the balancing act of doing enough research into your player characters and making sure that you understand what they can and can't do, what they can and cannot survive, and doing the research into the monsters to understand what they're capable of 
and making sure that you don't throw something at your group that they're not going to be able to handle accidentally just because you saw that CR and said, oh, this is the appropriate level. They're going to be able to deal with this no problem. I ran into that issue a whole lot, especially recently in my Sunday group where my group is more than adequately prepared to deal with most undead threats until I realize that if something starts rolling out negative levels, well, they're going to die pretty quick because none of them necessarily have the saves necessary to resist taking these negative levels, and especially since there are some monsters that don't give you saves for those kinds of things at all. It comes down to a race of, can we kill this thing before it even has a chance to touch us? And that can also be very, very frustrating for your players, especially whenever they know that they should be able to deal with this thing just because they got unlucky on a particular dice roll. It means they're going to be punished very severely for something that ordinarily would be much stronger than they would be capable of dealing with to begin with. And that can breed a lot of frustration. So unfortunately, an oversized group does mean that you're going to have to do a lot more research and you have to be a lot more prepared for the game than you ordinarily would if you're the kind of GM who kind of likes to wing it, who likes to throw things out there slapdash and kind of let let the dice fall as they will. Now, I've talked about a lot of the negative things that can be an implication of having an oversized group, and it can be stressful. But having oversized groups, having a lot of your friends together, and especially if they're all going to be invested in this particular game, it can be an incredible amount of fun to have this many people together and to play with so many people at once. Like Gary Gygax was known to have a group of 20 people in his basement on a weekly basis. And what he ended up doing in order to mitigate the, the struggle of having to try and GM 20 people at a given time was that he actually split it into two separate groups who were running a game concurrently. You had group A and group B, each with their own GM and each running the adventure kind of side by side. And that, I feel like if you've got a really large group, especially if you've got like eight or more people who are going to be playing the game, uh, that can honestly be a decent way to kind of uh, deal with that particular level of stress is have an adventure set up. Maybe you're going to be running an adventure path or something um, and have two groups running the same game concurrently. Even if you don't have necessarily a plan for those groups to interact with each other as long as they're playing the same game and running through the same adventure they're going to be able to talk back and forth with each other about the things that their characters did and the way that they handled particular threats and particular puzzles see what they did wrong see what they did right kind of trade answers back and forth to see what does and doesn't work and they're going to have a good time chatting back and forth about that and it comes to having a large group of people, while it can be stressful, can honestly just be a huge amount of fun if people are dedicated to the game and they really do want to play. Whenever you have so many people invested in such a thing, you you have a huge amount of input, feedback going not just between you and the players, but the players amongst themselves having a lot of varied and differentiating skills and abilities things that they can do, things that they can't do, strengths and weaknesses, ways they're going to approach puzzles and problems in very strange and inventive ways because 
No matter how many people your group has, no two characters are going to deal with one single problem in the same way. And that can be very inspiring as a GM to think, oh, I never would have thought of that. Because player player A and player B are both rogues, but they, they tackled this problem in such wildly different manners that they ended up coming with two entirely separate solutions. Or even if they're coming together as part of a group, they come together to form a single solution that just is entirely bonkers, something totally off the wall that you never would have expected as a GM because they have all this different perspective coming in on a single problem just working to solve it. It can be crazy fun having huge groups of people together just because of the diversity of the characters and how they're going to interact as well as just having the social element. You're there with a huge group of your friends, and of course you're going to have a good time. It's tempting to think of the word oversized in a purely negative connotation. But, depending on your perspective, any of these problems can actually be a benefit to your game. You just have to think of how that game is going to benefit from these particular circumstances that your game is going to be in. So if your group is oversized and you're struggling, do try and diagnose what the problem is. Address it, figure out why your group is starting to struggle, and try and get that out of the way as early as possible, and then figure out what it is about your group that makes it the most fun. What about your group when they are playing is the most interesting and draws the most attention and gets everyone into the game the most? Focus on that, refine that, and hone it, and make sure that it is consistent. Make sure that you have that part of the game always there and at the forefront so that everybody is going to be there having a great time. So that's my advice for this week on running with an oversized group. So we're going to go ahead and give a big shout-out, big thankies from McSpankies to Jenny, Word, Ari, and Ken for their patronage. You guys rock. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Find us on the socials. You can find us on Facebook at D20Dudes. Find us on Twitter at D20Dudes or yeah, just at D20Dudes on Twitter. If you would like to support the podcast as well, you can find us on Patreon.com slash D20Dudes. And if you would like to join our Discord, you can find a link to that down in the, the show notes as you would call them, because this is a podcast. Uh, anyone's welcome to join. Just click that link, pop on in the Discord, say hi. Uh, and with that out of the way, we're going to roll the beautiful bean footage and see what next week's topic is going to be. Oh, goodness. Or I'm going to drop the dice a million times like I always do. Number 12, building a dungeon. Dungeons are half of Dungeons and Dragons, the other half being dragons. Oh boy. So next week we're going to talk about how you build a dungeon and how you populate a dungeon. So thank you everyone for listening, and we will catch you in next week's episode. Goodbye.